before you go up on the floor, I just want to give you a few tips on how to be a good Santa Claus. Go right ahead. Well, here's a list of toys that we have to push, you know, <laughs> things that we're overstocked on. Now, you'll find that a great many children will be undecided as to what they want for Christmas. When that happens, you immediately suggest one of these items. You understand? I certainly do. <laughs> Good. Now, you memorize that list, and I'll... Oh, no, I'll tell you. When you've finished, come up to the seventh floor. I'll be waiting for you. Hello, and welcome to the Screen Test of Time, the podcast where we watch every movie ever nominated for Best Picture. I'm Susan Araslin. I'm David Daw. This week, we started the 1947 awards with the seasonally inappropriate Miracle on 34th Street, which is the second Christmas movie we've watched in two weeks, three weeks. <laughs> yeah, I think it's three, and it is... How did this movie come out in June? I do not know. <laughs> I don't think any Christmas movie operates on Christmas logic more than Miracle on 34th Street. This movie, it doesn't even have fridge logic. It just has, it's Christmas. What do you hate? Santa? Logic. Everything that happens in this doesn't make any fucking sense. But if you point it out, you hate children. And like, that's fine. <laughs> It's a Christmas movie for kids, but how did it come out in June? And how did it get nominated for Best Picture? I can answer one of those questions. Apparently, there was discussion about keeping it until Christmas, and instead they were like, well, we have the movie, we have to put it out, we have to put it out. So none of the marketing mentioned Christmas? <laughs> like, they really tried to obscure the fact that this is a Christmas movie? And while It's a Wonderful Life, okay, fine, it has some Christmas elements to it. It makes sense that people identify it as a Christmas movie. That's fine. It is not really a Christmas movie in the way that Miracle on 34th Street is. It operates, like we were saying in the It's a Wonderful Life episode, it operates outside of Christmas. Yes, it is about Christmas and that that is literally when the pivotal events of the story take place. It is about a season of giving and coming together as a community. So it's not like it isn't thematically about Christmas in a diehard kind of way. But this is a movie that is about a guy who thinks he is Santa. And is Santa? Question mark? I'd forgotten it's kind of open-ended. I mean, you know what, David? If you believe, then he's Santa. <laughs> yeah, um... This is a movie that has the line, Christmas isn't just a day, it's a state of mind. And you're like, what the fuck does that mean? Explain. Please write this down. Explain. Demonstrate your thesis. Like, what are you talking about? I mean, arguably, I think that it does demonstrate its thesis, which is, if you're an old guy who's really nice to children, that's christmas i guess right but like i don't think that's the thing like eh, um we should probably get into the plot because weirdly i know i have watched this movie i feel like i've never watched this movie you know what i mean like watching it with a critical eye i'm like wait this movie has like an extended section shaming like single mothers for telling their children realistic stories about how the world works i don't know that it's necessarily shaming single mothers for telling their children realistic stories about how the world works so much as 
saying that maybe forcing children to grow up very quickly and telling them that imagination is worthless is maybe not the best idea. But yeah, it <laughs> this movie is complicated. And it seems like you really hate it. I'd never seen it before, so maybe I'm coming to it from a different place. Like, I didn't have the, I know the story, and now I can just look at it critically. I had to also learn the story, which is weird. I feel like I've never seen a Christmas movie between this and <laughs> It's a Wonderful Life. <laughs> yeah, I I also just was in a bad mood last night, so it is possible I should be giving this movie more slack. But I've remembered it as being better than I think it is, more than I hate it. It is just like, oh, this kind of isn't anything special more than this is terrible, you know? I mean, maybe it's because I've never seen a Christmas movie, <laughs> but it's weird as hell. There's a whole trial about whether or not this guy is Santa Claus. <laughs> to me, that is the thing that I kind of thought of is what everybody knows. Like, I sort of think of that as the elevator pitch to this movie. What if we put Santa on trial? What if we had like, a court case about whether Santa was real or not? To me, the weird thing is you're super far into the movie before that becomes the movie. This is an hour and a half film and you're fully an hour in before you're like, oh, right, the court case. It is weird how little of the movie is that to me. I think that would be kind of boring if it were like an hour long movie of putting Santa on trial. This movie has a lot of messages, some of which I agree with and some of which I really don't. <laughs> yeah, so there is a guy, he is sort of wandering through New York City, he looks like Santa Claus and he clearly believes himself to be Santa Claus, but everybody treats that like it is crazy because obviously Santa isn't real. Or is he? Bum bum bum. <laughs> But he wanders up to the Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade and finds that their Santa is drunk as hell <laughs> and goes like, hey, Santa should not be drunk as hell to the lady who is organizing the parade. And she goes, oh, God, oh, God, I don't have a Santa because he's drunk as hell. Hey, you look a lot like Santa. And he goes, I sure do. Wink. <laughs> she actually asks him. Do you have any experience? And he says something like, quite a bit, or you can say that or something. <laughs> right. And so the first third of this film is, what if the real Santa was mall Santa? And he ends up being the Santa at Macy's on 34th Street, their flagship store, and doing this thing where he will tell people what other stores have the toys they want for their kids in stock, which at first Macy's is super upset about, but then they're like, this is the greatest goodwill campaign on earth and people love us so much they just shop more at our store. What is the moral here? What does this movie think about capitalism and Christmas? Because it seems like it's just sort of playing fast and loose with a lot of shit here, but okay. That's the first message where I'm like, I I don't know what this is supposed to be getting at, but I feel like it's generally better than their plan, which is instead of telling moms where to go to get something that's sold out at Macy's, suggest to them these other things that their kids don't want so they'll just buy stuff with us. And... 
the first woman that they do this with is the most quintessential New Yorker ever because she pulls the manager aside to tell him that Santa is suggesting that she buy her kid this stuff at some other store. And she seems very angry. And then she says, and and I just want you to know that I'm so impressed with this that I'm going to shop here more and you have a dedicated customer for life. And that is the most New York thing ever where someone sounds pissed as hell while they are telling you something good. <laughs> right. About the only thing I think is not very realistic about New York in that is seemingly she then does in fact actually shop at that store a whole bunch. <laughs> Because I think the New York version of that is sounding really angry, insisting that, like, this has completely changed your worldview about everything, and then going, oh, that's actually a longer subway trip than I want now that I think about it. You know what? I'm not actually going to do that. (laughs) Right. Or immediately forgetting about it because you walk outside and always get hit by a cab. (laughs) Exactly. But, like, in the universe of Miracle on 34th Street, this does, in fact, cause Macy's It's actually kind of unclear. It seems like it's good for business, but mostly it is good for the PR image of Macy's, such that there is now this competitive goodwill campaign between it and its rival store, Gimbal's. And I think a lot of this movie's enjoyment is predicated on liking hearing the word Gimbal's, which, to be fair, I like hearing a lot. But you are going to be hearing it a great deal in the middle third of this movie. (laughs) But meanwhile, the emotional plot is the lady who was organizing the parade and works at Macy's as sort of their event director is a single mother with a daughter who is far too realistic about everything. Doesn't know about fairy tales, doesn't like fairy tales, doesn't like made up stories. Because her mom has made... Sure that she doesn't. Right. And the daughter's name is Susan, and her parents were divorced when she was a year and a half old, which is super weird, because that is true for me, too. (laughs) Also super weird, but not true for you, too, is that the daughter is played by Natalie Wood. Yes. I am not, in fact, played by Natalie Wood. I am actually Susan. Yes. And also, my mom was like, Santa Claus is real. Also, Christmas is My mom single-handedly does more shit for Christmas in our house, (laughs) even to this day with no children who live there who are both entirely grown-ass adults than Macy's could ever do. (laughs) But I digress. Yes. The other piece of that plot line is that the daughter is making friends with this guy that lives across the hall from them, um, who is specifically making friends with the daughter to get in good with her hot mom, and is very upfront about that in a way that is weirdly kind of refreshing, but is mostly, I feel like, happening because this movie has a lot of plot and needs to get through it quickly. Yeah. He is a lawyer, which comes into play later, but mostly he is there to go, maybe giving children fantasy is good, but also, do you want to bang Maureen O'Hara? And is a sort of more irreverent energy while still being, like, not a person that says they're Santa Claus and maybe is Santa Claus as an influence on this daughter. Meanwhile, Santa has started a rivalry with Macy's in-house psychiatrist? Who is apparently not 
really a psychiatrist? Right, but also seems to not really be a psychiatrist so that this movie can once again have it both ways and not be saying something clearly. Because there's this whole scene where Santa has made friends with this janitor that likes dressing up as Santa, and the in-house psychological evaluation administrator who is maybe or maybe not a psychiatrist, it's not really clear, has said that he only likes giving gifts to other people because of a guilt complex. And Santa just keeps asking these leading questions about, like, he just asks you questions and says what's wrong with you. And you're like, oh, boy, this is not aging well. And then Santa barges out to go yell at this guy and goes, you're not a real psychiatrist. I have deep respect for psychiatry. And you're like, do you? I mean, here's the thing. The guy seems to definitely be a hack. No question. Right. But the movie has some weird, complicated, and I would say extremely problematic things to say about psychology and psychologists and seeking help. I mean, like, yes, this guy is a quack. But it seems like he is set up to be a quack to make a statement about psychology in general. And that's a problem. (laughs) Right. The other weird thing about that scene is that the way you're supposed to know he's a quack is that when he first evaluates Santa, he goes, this guy is delusional and delusional people are always dangerous. That is a quack thing and not good. But then Santa does haul off and fucking hit him in the face for saying he's not Santa. Which, like, you can't do that, my man. (laughs) I thought he hit him over the young janitor he goes to him because of the young janitor but then the guy goes this is just because i'm challenging your delusion that you're santa and santa hits him in the fucking face yeah and you're like okay that's actually not okay like even if you are santa (laughs) right like santa shouldn't be hitting people in the face Right. Santa should not be institutionalized at Bellevue, which is what happens next in this insane movie, if he does that. But it is actually dangerous for someone to be running around and punching people in the face if they say he's not Santa. Yes, that is a problem. (laughs) (laughs) Then the quack, terrible psychologist guy gets him institutionalized at Bellevue, and Santa throws his psychological evaluation, which is not a thing I think you can do because he is so distraught that Maureen O'Hara, the mom character, didn't really believe he was Santa, that he just decided to lie to psychiatrists and make himself look crazy, which is, by the way, a crazy thing to do. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's certainly not a very smart thing to do. Meanwhile, the lawyer, I keep wanting to call him husband, but they're not even married by the end of the film. It's just so inevitable that he and Maureen O'Hara will end up together by 15 minutes in that nobody even like pretends to be objecting to it anymore. (laughs) It's just like, then the person who is functionally her husband in every aspect by this point, but is just a guy that lives across the hall from her goes to see him and is like, I'm going to do everything for you, Santa, because people really need you to keep being Santa or pretending to be Santa. It's very unclear. And also, I don't feel like you should be in Bellevue for this. Yes. Which, again, 
is fair. Yeah. The weird thing about this movie isn't that I'm like on the side of the people that want to put Santa in jail. It's that what it is saying about anything is very unclear because people don't really act like people. They just sort of do these things things the plot needs them to do in these ways where you're like, so what are we trying to say here? Like, why is this person acting like an insane weirdo? A great example of this is that right after this, where we've set up that we are going to have a court case over whether this guy is insane or really Santa. Which is a weird binary. Right. (laughs) Like, either this guy should be committed or he's actually Santa is a a very strange dichotomy to set up because there is definitely an in-between where, like, he is delusional but shouldn't be institutionalized. Right. Why that's not an option, I don't know. Yeah. Even at the end, that is really what the movie comes down to saying, but because we have to have this dramatic moment where the court finds that Santa is real, the court can never just go, hey, maybe this guy isn't a danger to himself and others, but obviously he's not really Santa, but that's fine. We can just go through life being Santa because don't we all deserve a little joy in our lives sometimes. But that isn't the moral this movie wants to arrive at. And so instead you have this stuff where the judge, he's visited by this political boss that got him elected. And the political boss is like, you've got to get off of this case. It's a circus and you're only going to look bad. And that all makes sense. What is weird is that the judge goes, well, no one will be upset at me for just doing my job and throwing Santa into a sanitarium. Of course they will. Yeah. What human being on earth would, who would think that that wouldn't be a problem? But it's set up so that there can be this cute little joke where both his grandchildren and his wife are like, I would hate any man that puts Santa in a sanitarium and I'm ashamed of you. And the political boss can be like, see? (laughs) So much of this movie is attacking these weird anti-Christmas straw men that like the movie sets up. Who is this person? Why is this what Santa is up against? Well, and it it starts with, well, I guess it starts really with Doris, the mom, but it really starts with this psychologist who no psychologist is like that guy. Right. This movie plays really fast and loose, switching between Santa, the magical being that travels between every house on earth every night and gives children presents. This guy who is saying he is Santa, but doesn't demonstrate any magical powers, I guess because Santa doesn't want to give away the game or something. And just the spirit of being generous to other people. And does this weird shell game where people constantly argue against, like, Well, I just think that giving is terrible and everyone should die. Imagination is bad and no one should ever like anything that is fantastic. Right. That is because that is way easier to argue against than, hey, should we like try and find this guy's family? Should we try and find a birth certificate or something for this dude? What is going on here? Is he okay? Where does he go home at night? Exactly. And like, again, this is a children's movie about Christmas. I understand why it isn't two hours of trying to find a comfortable place for a homeless man to live. But it does 
does make this movie really weird because it constantly raises these issues and goes, no, 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 we're not talking about that. We're talking about giving people presents. And you go, okay, (laughs) giving people presents is good, right? And it goes, yes, yes, correct. It's good. (laughs) Anyway, back to the monsters who don't think that we should have storybooks or gifts. Right. And that if you like being generous, you have a guilt complex that is probably horribly pathological that you have suppressed. Yeah. And you hate your dad. It's very strange. (laughs) To me, the weirdest thing on rewatching this is I feel like the thing everybody knows, which I don't mean to be ragging on you for not having watched this movie. You don't need to have watched this movie. I just think of it as the sort of cultural consciousness thing about this movie is them dumping all of the letters to Santa out on the judge's desk and going like, here's all the proof you need that Santa is real. And I'd forgotten that there's straight up a scene where you see the post office administrators go, let's just get rid of these fucking letters to Santa somewhere. Christ, they're taking up all this room. They're not even post office administrators. They're mail sorters. Right. And the argument is not that Santa is real. It's that the United States government through the post office has recognized that this particular man is Santa Claus. Therefore, the court must rule that he is Santa Claus, which is actually not how the court system works at all. (laughs) Right. It's not how the court system works. It's not how the post office works. It's not how, like, anything works. The thing that I had forgotten about this movie is that there isn't a big triumphant moment where Santa, like, shoots snow out of his fingers and is like, what's up, motherfuckers? I'm actually Santa. The closest thing is that in the last scene, he has apparently visited the house the daughter has decided she gets for Christmas. And that's the most proof you get. I had remembered this somehow as a movie about how Santa is straight up real, has magic powers, and like the real world is too cynical to accept it. That's not what this is. What it is instead is weird. (laughs) What you have imagined is the Christmas version of The Master and Margarita, and that is not this movie, which I honestly think is, in a way, a more interesting film, is we can government bureaucracy our way into making these people who are attacking this man stop and by virtue of that, make it so that kids are not sad about Santa being proven unreal. It's just that there's a lot of very dated and nonsensical ways in which we get to that place. (laughs) I think there's that, and there's also this thing where the movie doesn't really have the strength of its convictions, because I think sometimes there is an interesting movie in here about Santa may or may not be real, but the fiction of Santa is still important. Like, the fiction of Santa has power and should be preserved. But the movie also kind of wants to go, but also Santa's, like, real and a real guy and he's sitting right over there. So if you don't believe in it and don't have faith in it, that's fine because it's a real thing. 
it also kind of wants to go, hey, Santa is this real thing that has been commercialized and twisted in ways by the world that make him incompatible with the celebration of Christmas, but then doesn't have the strength of conviction on that. And so goes, but also he's Santa, so it's magic and it all magically works out for him. That there isn't actually any contradiction between like the cold logic of capitalism and the spirit of giving. It has these flashes, like, I actually really like the stuff with the judge once you're in the court case. Like, I really like the stuff where the judge feels like, oh god, it's going to destroy my career if I rule that Santa isn't real. But also, this guy is, this guy is not Santa. Or at least he doesn't believe this guy is Santa. Is actually pretty interesting, but this movie doesn't want to go, but Santa isn't real. It doesn't want to go like that power comes from belief and not from some inherent thing about Santa. Yeah, I mean, it's a kid's movie, David. I They're, they're not going to have a movie that's like, Santa's not real, but it's okay if you believe. <laughs> right, yes, I understand that, but then like, don't make this movie. Everything this movie has to say that is interesting, why make it a question at all then? I guess. See, I disagree. I think that this movie is actually very interesting for kids who are being told that Santa isn't real. It's not a movie that's made for adults. My issue with it is that the make up a guy and get mad at him <laughs> straw men are actually kind of dangerous for kids. Like the psychologist, I think, is a really dangerous person to introduce. Like, if it were the Macy's security guard or something that was like, this guy is crazy, fine, but making kids distrust psychologists seems like a dangerous precedent to set. Yes. I guess what I'm saying is, like, is this a kid's movie or is it not? Because if it's a kid's movie, it probably shouldn't be nominated for Best Picture. It's also not particularly Toy well Story. directed. But Sorry, Toy Story 2. Yeah, but Toy Story 2 also is a movie that forces children to deal with the harsh realities of death and people moving on and no longer needing you. But in a gentle way. <laughs> right. And what I'm saying is this movie could do that and then doesn't and goes like, well, we're a kid's movie. I don't want to make kids deal with complex shit. That's fine. Like, if it wants to just be a cute little story about Santa Claus being real and a child learning to love Santa Claus and believe in him, that's okay. But then don't introduce all this weird stuff. Just make Santa real. It is this weird in-between space that I find very strange. The first act of this movie, when it's head-faking toward, like, how does the real Santa deal with commercialism and the commercialization of Christmas... Elf is a children's movie starring Will Ferrell that is in some ways not very good, but also deals with that way more intelligently and way better than this movie does. It deals with the idea of how the real world would interact with the sort of idealistic spirit of giving of Santa. I don't think this movie has to shy away from that stuff because it is about children and is instead just sort of splitting the difference on a lot of stuff in weird ways, where I kind of wish it would come down and decide to be one movie or another. I don't think this is a terrible movie, but I think this is a movie that, like, you throw on for kids at Christmas, and not a movie that should be nominated for Best Picture. I think Toy Story 2 is a children's movie that is dealing with more interesting stuff in more interesting ways than this movie is. And this movie is just... It's just fine. It's just like a fine, 
Christmas movie for kids. That's okay. But why is it best picture material? Like, what is it about this movie that makes it best picture besides like, I don't know, we have an open slot. Kids like this movie. It's fine. Uh, I mean, I think that the political side plots, I guess, are what made it nominated for best picture because there definitely seemed to be a hunger at this time in filmmaking for showing the way that the sausage got made with party bosses. Now, I I mean, does that hold up as a reason to nominate it for Best Picture today? I don't think so. But I think that is what got it Best Picture. And even the mail dumping scene is that there were a lot of these like, what if we made a movie about whether or not Santa Claus is real, but it had the serious implications of Mr. Smith goes to Washington. And you're like... Well, what if you did? (laughs) Is there a reason for that? (laughs) I think that that is kind of my core objection. That's such a weirdly small portion of the film now that I'm really sitting down and watching it. I agree that I think that's the strongest material in the film. I really think you can do that in a way that, like, works for kids. I don't think it needs to be this cynical adult thing of, like, Santa isn't real, kids. Deal with it. (laughs) (laughs) But I think you can talk to kids about, hey, the adult world clearly deals with this stuff and thinks about it very differently. But whether or not Santa is real, it's important that there is a Santa. Whether or not there actually is one, weirdly, is like, I think kids can handle that. I think that you can do that. And I think the most interesting parts of the film are the parts that kind of suggest that. But then the movie always goes like, no, 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 but also like he probably, he's probably, if Santa probably is real and all of the people that say that Santa isn't real are probably like weird Scrooges that just hate generosity. Okay. Okay. Is this a sort of over the top heightened reality kids movie? Or is it like you say, this examination of the myth of Christmas meets the sort of cold cynicism of the adult real world and like wins out anyway because the spirit of Christmas rules? I don't think that the movie actually comes down on the side that Santa is definitely real. I think the movie sets itself up to have plausible deniability. And I think that that is kind of cowardly, honestly. (laughs) It is the thing that I disliked most about the film you know, okay, he found this house and maybe visited it, big deal. So it's up to you to decide if Santa is real. And it felt like it pulled its punches in the end. But otherwise, it's kind of a cute movie with some dangerously dated issues like solve your problems through physical violence. (laughs) To me, it's the worst of both worlds because it confirms Santa is real enough to all of the people in the film that you end up where anti-Santa people are just these insane, (laughs) malevolent beings from nowhere. And you also end up with enough plausible deniability about whether Santa is real or not, that you sort of go, okay, wait, but if he isn't real, we need to worry about this guy. We need to make sure he's okay. Yeah, like, where is he in the end? Yeah. Is he in this house that's for sale? Because, again, he's a homeless guy who was not Santa Claus. Right. There is a thing where I would be fine if it came down more strongly, like you say. No, Santa is real in the end. Like, there's something that really proves it instead of him just visiting this house. Or if they were like, it literally 
doesn't matter if Santa is real or not. What matters is that we believe, but instead it wants to do that. But it does, in fact, matter if Santa is real or not, because if not, then this guy needs help. That's more the spirit of Christmas is like, let's help the underserved. Right. Not in a like he needs to go to Bellevue kind of help, but legitimately, does he have a place to stay? Like you say, he needs assistance. Can they adopt him as granddad, you know? Right. Which they kind of do at one point, so... Right, but because the movie wants to leave open that he's really Santa, they can't ever go like, well, we need to treat you like you're not a person who is Santa. But it also won't just whole hog go, he is Santa. Because then you start asking questions about, like, why Santa uses his powers the way that he does, that this movie isn't really interested in answering, like... Whenever people treat him like he's really Santa, they ask the weirdest questions, exemplified by the daughter going, well, if you're really Santa, then your beard's real. And it's like, that's the proof you need? That's like, the guy can teleport to every house on Earth, but you just want to make sure facial hair isn't fake? Yeah, that's the beginning of her belief is... Yeah, but mom, his whiskers are real. That's fine. That's kid. I mean, she's eight or nine, like, you know. Exactly. I think a better example is probably the lawyer, not husband. He doesn't interrogate anything that would actually be complicated about Santa Claus. And again, this is a kid's movie. I don't expect it to go like, please rigorously prove Santa is real using this proof. How does he get down chimneys? What do you do? But like... That this movie doesn't have any, but this movie isn't interested in asking those questions. And if Santa is real and sitting right there and just would like to answer any questions you have, the movie kind of has nothing to do but ask those questions. And so it doesn't ever result. It's very, it's a weird movie. It's only bad in comparison to It's a Wonderful Life, but it's a weird movie. And I didn't remember it being this weird. Well, I mean, a lot of stuff is bad in comparison to It's a Wonderful Life. (laughs) Yes, that's what I'm saying. In comparison to the Christmas movie that got nominated literally the year previous, I'm like, what the hell are they doing nominating this? But I recognize that on its own, it isn't nearly that bad. It just like, it's not directed particularly elegantly. The guy playing Santa is pretty good, and Natalie Wood is very good as a cute kid, but I don't really think of this movie as a movie with standout performances, you know? It's just, it's fine. It's a fine Christmas movie for kids. It's also not making any really impressively or committedly social statements. Like, it pulls its punches on criticizing the overcapitalization of Christmas... Because it's like, oh, but it's fine as long as all the stores work together to make sure that everyone can buy more shit they want. (laughs) Yeah, it's also like, it doesn't even really say anything about Christmas. All of the morals in this movie are the like a joke of morals. Where you go like, yeah, we should... Wait, what were we saying? Like, what is happening in this scene? We should what? <laughs> yeah. Like, what? wait, what's the takeaway here? Like, this scene is shaped like a scene that is didactically teaching us a lesson, but the lesson is psychiatrists are bad, but only if they're in-house 
personality test-driven fake psychiatrists that are too Freudian or not Freudian enough. Yeah. So it ends up going like, okay, so we're just talking about this one specific guy is a bad psychiatrist. Yeah, but... That's the takeaway? But it doesn't really... I mean... I guess, but the guy doesn't get fired or anything, and he's called as, like, an expert witness. So the movie continues with this distrust of psychology as a profession, which I think is, again, a dangerous precedent to set for kids. I also think that generally, the if there is a moral of this movie, it is that imagination is not a dangerous thing. And that's not a very strong moral. It's not even that, like imagination is critical to well-being and uh, and for you know even just kids to to be well-rounded it's like well imagination's probably it's it's probably okay right or the other moral is don't be mean to old guys which is also a, not a really impressive moral <laughs> right that's what i'm saying about pulling the punches I think there is more complicated material both around the power of imagination and like the spirit of giving this movie could be doing that children really could absorb and would be good morals for children. And instead, it just kind of wants to do the like broadest, most unobjectionable thing like children should be able to have fantasies. Okay, but, like, the only person that disagrees with that is this completely made-up single mom character that you have created specifically to have somebody argue against that moral. Yeah, make up a guy and get mad at him. <laughs> yes, this this movie is Twitter, therefore it is bad. End of podcast. <laughs> but in general, this movie does frustrate me because children don't really need to learn any of the lessons in this movie. All of them are blindingly obvious. And I think there's room to go, hey, maybe you're old enough now that you don't believe in Santa, but maybe that lets you in on the polite fiction of why adults believe in Santa, even if they don't believe in Santa. You know, <laughs> maybe in that way, Santa is real. That, I think, is a moral that plenty of children's movies about Santa do. That is the pat now very special Christmas episode of every sitcom, right? Is like, maybe Santa is real or maybe not, but it is important that we all believe in giving each other gifts. And we all believe in a spirit of generosity in our hearts. And maybe that spirit of generosity does actually have a magical man that travels down your chimney and gives you the fire engine that your mom couldn't find anywhere. Maybe it doesn't. But what matters is giving other people stuff and making the world a better place. This movie could do that and weirdly doesn't even do that, you know? Have you seen the remake ever? No, I, I almost want to. Because I think another thing that is specific to me about why I'm kind of coming down hard on this movie is I remember when that movie came out. It was one of the first movies I was old enough to absorb criticism of it. Because I was like nine at the time. Mm -hmm. I remember the criticism of it being like, it's basically fine, but it's this sort of pat commercial thing compared to the real miracle on 34th Street. And then I watched this and I'm like, this is a pat commercial movie. <laughs> I, I don't understand. Yeah, I mean, literally Santa doesn't even do Santa stuff in this movie. He just tells parents where to buy stuff for their kids. Right. Also, like, how close did Macy's consult on this movie? 
it is wild to me how much the actual department store Macy's plays a part in this film. And you'll spend time in business meetings of the Macy's Corporation. I haven't read anything that says that, you know, they essentially funded this. But how could they not? <laughs> yeah. I, yeah. It's, it is a strange movie. I generally think it's, like, relatively harmless, except for the distrust of psychology and solving your problems, or not even solving your problems, but expressing your feelings with physical violence elements. But I would be interested to know how the remake stacks up against it, if these problems are fixed. Because I think at the end, really, what it ends up being is, for adults, it is a movie that's like, see, you've got plausible deniability. We never said Santa was really real, just that the US government recognized him because of a weird postal service thing that occurs. And for kids, it is wish fulfillment of adults get dragged through court and humiliated, and Santa is real. <laughs> yeah, I sort of wish it decided more to be one or the other of those movies, I guess, is my objection. Because I think both movies are worse for trying to be the same movie, you know? But let's get to rating this movie, because I think I'm going to rate it relatively highly. I'm thinking like a seven for this? Six or a seven? Yeah, I, I would say like a six or a seven. It's very tight. I was never bored. You know, even the stuff where it's like, let's go to a meeting with the Macy's Corporation. They were short scenes. They didn't drag on forever. I understood why they were there. Kind of the only scene that I felt did drag was the fight between Santa and the psychologist. And that was because I was like, oh, God, this is this is a mess. I less had the experience of this movie dragging and more had the experience of finding myself in scenes and going... Wait, what are we doing here? Why are we doing this? Is is this going to be okay? Is Santa going to say some weird shit about psychiatry again or something? <laughs> I was kind of disoriented by this film sometimes, but you're right. The scenes are relatively short, so there's never this sense of like, oh no, we're going to be in this for a long time or like checking your watch or anything. It's a tight 90 minutes and I want to give it credit for that, given all the times I've complained about like two and a half hour movies for not being 90-minute movies. If this movie was two and a half hours, I don't know what the hell I'd do. Yeah. It's well edited. It feels like a period piece. Yeah. It doesn't stand the screen test of time in a number of ways, but not in ways like, oh, well, this is a horribly racist nightmare. I mean, everybody in it is white, so that's that's a problem. But it's not everybody in this movie is white, and then they say terrible things about people who aren't white, which... We've had those movies. Yeah. There is Maureen O'Hara's maid character, question mark, that appears in exactly one scene to explain that there's a hot guy across the hall that wants to bang her and has taken her daughter, who is, I think, a person of color, but is not given anything to do but wash dishes and give exposition. She's cooking. She's cooking Thanksgiving dinner. Yeah, I forgot about her. She's a black actress. You're right. But yeah, she doesn't even need to be in this film. But I guess like, at least she made some money. Yeah, Maureen O'Hara never says awful shit about her. Or to her, or... or yeah, and like, that's something. As for should you watch this movie, I think really me coming down hard on this movie is really just me saying... 
kind of the opposite of what I said about It's a Wonderful Life, which was like, watch It's a Wonderful Life as not a Christmas movie. Do not watch this movie as not a Christmas movie. Go ahead and watch it as a Christmas movie. I think it's fine as a Christmas movie. It's a fun little kids movie about what if Santa were real and adults put him on trial. It's cute, but if you watch it in April, you do end up going like, boy, without the spirit of Christmas, this is a weird-ass fucking movie. (laughs) I mean, I think it helps for me because I'm in New York, so like, I I think the day that I watched it, it was particularly drizzly, and even for April, unseasonably cold. Yeah. So I didn't have the same experience that one would have watching it in LA in April. (laughs) Yeah, it's like 85. I'm kind of like, we need to wrap up recording so I can turn the fan on in here. Right. It definitely felt like you need to watch this movie seasonally because it isn't a terrible movie without that, but it is a movie where you can really feel the gaps that are being closed by Christmas logic, you know? I will absolutely agree with that. I mean, I didn't hate it or anything, but it felt... Yeah, it felt like eating turkey and stuffing and cranberry sauce in July. It was like, this doesn't make any damn sense. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. So yeah, watch this movie, but not before Thanksgiving Day. (laughs) Yeah. And not after the 25th (laughs) of December. So next week, we are watching Crossfire, which is not based on the tabletop children's game that was very popular in the late 80s, early 90s. Okay, but like, I do want to do a fan edit of this movie that's exactly the same. Just from this poster, I want to do a fan edit of this movie that's exactly the same, except the opening title sequence is scored with the made-up jingle song for Crossfire, the tabletop game where you just shoot marbles at each other. You don't even need to do that. Just do like a trailer that is, (laughs) you'll get caught up in the crossfire. (laughs) (laughs) I 100% bet that that already exists. God, I hope so. But I do feel like the Venn diagram of things only 90s kids would understand (laughs) And the 1947 noir film Crossfire is probably pretty, pretty small. Maybe limited to our listenership. So pretty small? (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, tune in next week to see if this movie has any... Maybe it was the inspiration for the tabletop game Crossfire. If this movie is as boring as I fear it is, though only 86 minutes, so that's a good sign. But I I do, if this movie is as boring as I fear it is, I may try and figure out how this movie is the inspiration for the board game Crossfire, whether or not it is. Uh, So tune in next week to find out whether or not it is. And until then... This was a movie, and apparently I'm weirdly upset that it wasn't a, like, thorough logical proof (laughs) that Santa exists. It was not. If judging it on the basis of whether it was a thorough, rational proof as to whether or not Santa exists, that we couldn't even give it a seven. (laughs) Yeah. Anyway, bye. Goodbye. (laughs) Your Honor. Every one of these letters is addressed to Santa Claus. The post office has delivered them. Therefore, the post office department, a branch of the federal government, recognizes this man, Chris Kringle, to be the one and only Santa Claus. Uh, Since the United States government declares this man to be Santa Claus, this court will not dispute it. 
case dismissed.